0: you have your Bibles, would you open up with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to be speaking the next few weeks on understanding the end times, understanding the end times. I want to continue um, our series on back to the basics, back to the basics. Understand we never outgrow the basics. Thank you for that week, Amen. When it comes to the eternal truths of God's word, we never outgrow the basics. In my personal Bible reading the last few weeks, I've come across the word doctrine, doctrine over and over again. First Timothy 1.10, if there is anything that is opposed to sound doctrine. 2 Timothy, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. 2 Timothy, again, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Again, 2 Timothy, time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. What is doctrine? Doctrine is a set of beliefs, a teaching, a systematic layout of biblical truths that are essential to maturity as a follower of Jesus Christ. We're talking about getting back to the basics, fundamental truths. Now understand that we live in a culture that does not have the biblical literacy that we had 40, 50 years ago in this country. We don't on a Sunday morning, it was actually on Easter. On Easter, I was preaching about Christ, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, and the hope that we have as believers In Easter, in the hope, in the hope of the resurrection. And there was one young girl that was here. And she went home that day. After hearing me preach, she said to her grandmother, I believe she might have been like, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, 12 years old. She went home to her grandmother and said, I know how Jesus died. Her grandmother said, oh, how how did Jesus die? He died crossing the street. on the crosswalk, because I preach that Jesus died on the cross. <laughs> Understand, we live in a culture, we live in a world where biblical doctrine and truth is not uh, uh, so heralded as much anymore or so concerned that the, the church is not concerned with that anymore. Sometimes we just want to feel good when we come to church. We just want to get blessed. But to feel good, you got to know what good is you got to know what the truth is. I love what John Wesley, the great reformer, said. He said, to candid, reasonable men, I am not afraid to lay open what has been the inmost thoughts of my heart. He said, I have thought. I am a creature of a day, passing through life as an arrow through the air. I am a spirit come from God till a few moments hence, and I am seen no more. I drop into an unchangeable eternity. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven, how to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has condescended to teach the way. For this very end, he came from heaven. He has written it down in a book. He has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book, he said. At any price, give me the book of God. I have it here, he said. Here is knowledge enough for me. You and I have in our hands the book of God that gives us the doctrine, the teaching about almighty God and his ways. That's why, as your shepherd, I want to lead you into green pastures of sound biblical doctrine. I want us to understand the importance of what we believe. We started a few weeks ago. The first doctrine that we looked at, looked at the scriptures inspired. The scriptures inspired. That is so critical and so important that we understand that this book is the word of God. People say it was written by men. It was written by men. Men who are inspired by God to write divine truth. God's Holy Spirit oversaw the process You say, well it's just written by a man There's a lot of contradictions Think about it, over 40 different authors Spanning 1500 years Three different continents Lived in different places over different time periods Yet they wrote in unity about the plan and the purpose of God. There is foolishness. There is so much foolishness out in the world. People who don't believe in what the Bible says because of some supposed inconsistencies or some supposed errors. There is no error in what God has written in the book of God. Any any discrepancies or any concerns are so minuscule, they do not affect major doctrines about what we believe. We believe that the scriptures are inspired. We believe in one true God. The world has many gods, but there is one true God as it is written in the scriptures. We also believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, meaning that he is the son of the living God. He is both God and he is man. Mohammed is not God. Confucius is not God. Oprah Winfrey is not God. There is no God but the Lord Jesus Christ because he died and he rose again. When you are able to die and raise yourself up again, then I might listen to you. Only Jesus... We believe that man fell. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. We all participated in that great fall, meaning we are all sinners. I know you all look so holy this morning. You all look so good this morning. Some of you, I don't even know if you ever sinned just by looking at you. But I know better because I know that we're all sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. But thank God, God didn't leave us in our fallen state. He saved us. And there is salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, through the cross of Calvary. You and I have the hope of eternal life. We can know that we know that we know that we have been born again, that we are saved, and that is the hope that we have this morning. So some of the fundamental truths, as we call them, they are related to the end times. We call that word, it's a $50 word, it's called eschatology. That word simply means the study of end time events. We have a biblical eschatology, meaning we understand that the scriptures teach us that that humanity, that creation, that God's plan is going somewhere. It is moving towards end. But that does, it doesn't end there. God has a triumphal plan for his people. The end time eschatology speaks of a rapture, a seven year tribulation, a millennial reign of Christ, a final judgment and new heavens and new earth. Some have called the study of end times a form of escapism. For some it might be, but for us it is a glorious reality because it is the fulfillment of God's eternal plans. God has a better place than planet earth. God has an eternal plan and purpose for you and I. You see, when we preach on the end times... These topics are always relevant. They're always relevant because God's truth is relevant. God's plan is real. But especially when you see current world events fulfilling what the Bible has prophesied would happen. What is critically relevant is what is happening in the Middle East right now. In a sliver of land called Israel. From the Old Testament prophecies to New Testament forewarnings, the Bible is, la- I want you to hear me this morning, the Bible is laser-focused on a tiny little sliver of land in the Middle East called the land of Israel. It is laser-focused in that it is the center stage for the end-time drama To unfold. Israel, a piece of land the size of New Jersey, is the focal point of the end times. Listen to one passage of prophecy 600 years before Christ, 2600 plus years ago. The Bible predicted thousands of years ago that end time events would revolve around Jerusalem. Not L.A., not Moscow, not Lagos, not Paris, not New York City, but Jerusalem. This tiny little city in this tiny sliver of land will play a key role in the events of the last days. Hear me this morning. Zechariah 12. God says, I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink that makes makes the nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judea. On that day, I will make Jerusalem an an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. When Israel was regathered as a nation in 1948, after almost 2,000 years of being scattered around the world, when Israel was regathered, became a nation, there's no other nation on the face of the earth that has ever been devastated and scattered that is regathered and becomes a nation again. But when that happened, that sign set the prophetic clock ticking. So my question to you or our question this morning as we look into the word of God is what is happening in the Middle East, the political, the military crisis, is what is happening, is is that what will lead to the final war? I don't know. Nobody knows. Only God knows. But one thing I do know is that Jesus talks about the signs of the times and he says they are the beginning of birth pains. What is a birth pain for a woman? It is woman it is when a woman is about to give birth. They begin to have these birth pains that signal that a delivery is soon. And what happens the closer that a woman gets to giving birth, the the birth pains increase in frequency and intensity. That What am I saying? They become more frequent and they become more intense. We are seeing in our world more frequency and more intensity to the labor pains of this earth and of this world. This morning, I want to take a few moments and talk to you about the rapture Of the church. If you have been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, you know about the rapture. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you're there, say Amen. 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 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. God doesn't value ignorance. Hello? The good news is you don't have to be ignorant when it comes to the things of God. The the reality of it is we could all learn and grow in wisdom when we begin to fear God because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning point of wisdom. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again... Even so, God will bring with those who bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Look at verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. This is God's word. This isn't man's word. This isn't current events. This isn't what a church or a denomination says. But this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that those who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep For the Lord himself, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Hallelujah. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And it doesn't end there. Sometimes we end there. But there's one more verse that's critical. Therefore... Comfort one another with these words. What a comfort. The hope that Jesus is coming back for his own. The hope that Jesus is coming back for his church. I love the way it says it. It says, For the Lord himself. Jesus himself is going to come back with a shout. Hallelujah. With the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. You say, why are they rising first? Because they're six feet under. And and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to be with the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Sometimes... Well-meaning preachers and teachers and evangelists have overly sensationalized world events, current events, especially wars and earthquakes and pestilences. And and they overly sensationalize it. and, And sometimes in their zeal, they go beyond what is written in the Word of God. And what happens is we... You and I become desensitized to the important, the critical truth that Jesus is coming back. We become desensitized. What do I mean by that? It no longer has the effect upon us that it's supposed to have. The hope of Jesus coming, matter of fact, it's called the blessed hope. In Titus chapter 2, looking for the blessed hope, the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a blessed hope. It is a glorious hope. It is a hope that, is, that is, should cause you and I to have an excitement and a longing for. Unfortunately, we've become desensitized. But when I look at world events... When I look at what is happening in the Middle East, we hear of wars and rumors of wars, but we see a frequency and an intensity that we are so close to that that wick being lit that will set in motion nations coming to that place. The U.S. already has many battleships in the Mediterranean. We already have bases that have come under attack by, by a regime called Iran that their sole purpose is to wipe out Israel and to wipe out the United States. This is not uh, hyperbole. This is not exaggeration. This is truth. They have said, I read the president of Iran says that from the river to the sea shall be Palestinian. And what he is saying in that the river is the Jordan River. That is the line of demarcation for the nation of Israel and the sea is the Mediterranean Sea. The president of Iran said Palestine from the river to the sea, meaning wipe out Israel. His goal, the goal of the Iranian regime is to destroy Israel. Israel is a hated nation today, not because politics have confused it and confounded it. Israel is a hated nation because they are God's chosen people. The only guilt they have at this point is they are defending the freedom of their own people who came under a diabolical, gutless, uh, horrible attack by terrorists who killed civilians. They targeted civilians, innocent people. And there is a hatred against God's people because of... I want, you to, I want, to, I want to teach you something this morning. Uh, you might not shout, but you're going to learn something this morning. Some of you come to church, you just want to shout, and then you go home, you don't know what you learned. You just had a good time of shouting. Revelation, Revelation, chapter 12. I want you to shout, but I also want you to learn something. Say amen. amen. we got a lot of people that are confused. Imagine. Imagine all of the rioting in this country and around the world. And, all, and I'm going to offend some of you, but you need to be offended because you need to learn what the Bible says, not what social media has said, not what people who don't know what they're talking about are saying just because they're tweeting some cute little meme or some cute little saying, but what the Bible says. Revelation, Revelation chapter 12. I want you to see something in the Bible. Revelation chapter 12 verse 1, now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and with her head a garland of 12 stars. Those 12 stars represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child. That word child is with a capital C. As soon as it was born. And she bore a male child who was, and it further clarifies and, and, and explains it, a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman who fled, then the woman fled into the wilderness where she was, had a place prepared by God and they should feed her there 1,260 days. That woman is, represents the nation of Israel. That child was, was Jesus and that dragon is the devil. Down to verse 13 to further uh, enlighten us. The word of God tells us, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the man-child, who's the woman Israel. But the woman was given two wings of a great evil eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half time from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. The dragon was enraged with Israel. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. What is the Bible telling us there? This is still a prophetic event, but it's, it, 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 it's events that will transpire, but it's speaking of a, a, of a concept, of a, of a reality of the hatred that the enemy of our soul has against you and I as the people of God, but also as the nation of Israel. Because the nation of Israel were God's chosen people by which the word of God came, the covenants came, the commandments came, the truth of God came to the nations of the world. And although they are not fulfilling and living up to that calling right now, there will be an ingathering or there will be a revival amongst the people of God. No nation has been able to survive what they have survived. The only reason, the only explanation is because God has a plan and a purpose for the people of Israel of Israel. We need to pray for Israel. We need to pray for Palestinians. We need to pray for all people, but we need to support Israel and we need to stand with them and and, and believe in their right to defend themselves and to wipe out terrorists that are hell-bent on destroying them. But let me just let you know this. Once any kind of thing is settled down in, in, in Gaza, things are going to heat up in the north because there's another terrorist group called Hezbollah that is in the northern part of Israel or not in Israel, but the north of Israel, which is called Lebanon, and they are beginning to launch rockets, and we have troops, we have barracks, we have, we have places throughout all of the Middle East, and we have come in under attack over 50 times, and I'm not sure what our, our government is waiting for, I hope they have a plan, but we need to, to also defend our people in that part of the country against terrorists. Can you say Amen. amen. I have so much to share, and I knew I would not get through it all. But let me say a few more things, and I'm going to continue this next week. Let me say this. Jesus is coming back. Yes. Jesus has a plan, and his plan includes Israel, and his plan includes Jerusalem. All of, all of biblical history began in the Middle East, and all of biblical future will finish or will, will see realized in the Middle East. Because that's God's word. There are more than 300 times the Bible tells us in the New Testament, Jesus is coming back. Can I, can I get you back to victory right now? Some of you are in Palestine. Some of you are in the Middle East right now. Some of you are in Israel. Some of you are on social media. Some of you don't know what you believe. Let's get back right here. Come on. I'm going to help you this morning. I'm going to you, help you to figure this out. More than 300 times, the Bible in the New Testament, in the New Testament alone, declares that Jesus is coming back. An average in one out of every 26 verses that you read in the New Testament, 27 books, Matthew to Revelation, it's it's as if you read every 26 verses, the Bible says stop. Jesus is coming back. You read another twenty-six verses. Stop. Jesus is coming back. You read another twenty-six verses. It says stop. You're warned. You be forewarned. Jesus is coming back. Another uh, 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 interesting fact is one once uh, on average for every chapter of the New Testament there is a reference that Jesus is coming back. Each time the Bible mentions Christ's first coming, we're coming into Christmas, the prophecies of Jesus' first coming, every time the Bible mentions it, there are eight times more references to his second coming. What does that tell us? It tells us just as sure as the prophecies were fulfilled that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem and it has happened it is, it is eight times more uh, uh, reference that he is coming a second time. Amen. I want to close with this thought. Unfortunately, we have become desensitized to the importance of this truth. When I say insens- uh, desensitized, I mean we're insensitive to, we're numb, we're calloused. I've been praying Because I remember as a new believer years ago where there would be such an excitement over the prospect of Jesus coming back. I've been praying, God, rekindle, restore, renew that same excitement. Holy Spirit, do something in me that I have that same excitement that I once had. Because the Bible says there is a crown of righteousness for those who love To those who love his appearing. Do we really love his appearing? Are we really excited at the prospect? When I look at world events, when I look at what's going on, all of Bible prophecies have been fulfilled. When, When Israel became a nation, it set the clock, the prophetic clock ticking. There is no other biblical prophecy that needs to be fulfilled for the rapture to happen. God help us. To love, to long for, to desire your coming. I understand when I talk to people, sometimes young couples or people who have young children. Oh, I don't, I don't want the end to come. I want my children to grow up and, and have a life. And I understand that. But what kind of life are you going to have in this sick, twisted world that we live in? I am not pessimistic and negative about the future. I am. Without God, I am. But with God, there is a hope. What, shouldn't we be teaching our children that there is a new heaven, a new earth coming? Shouldn't we be teaching a younger generation that there is a hope and a future in God? That, there is a, that God has prepared a place for those who serve him and love him? That Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I, no one gets to the Father but through me, but I'm going to prepare a place for you? I close with this. A few years ago, I was sitting in a Starbucks. I was reading, working on, I believe, a Bible message, having a cup of Starbucks. How many of you like Starbucks? I knew I'd get an amen or a hand from the front. And I was sitting there, I was reading and I was studying, and all of a sudden, the fire alarm went off. Alarms were blaring. Emergency lights were flashing. But I observed something. I was ready to grab my stuff and run out. But I I observed something. Nobody moved. Nobody reacted. Why? Because there was some glitch in the system and this had been happening for a couple of days. You see... People had become desensitized to that alarm, to the lights flashing, because it happened before. They heard it before. It had happened before. So they became desensitized. No longer did they react. And that's what, to a degree, to a lot of Bible believing Christians. We've heard it before, we've been warned before. Yet, as time goes by, everything has continued on. But Jesus, the last days before his crucifixion, he he told many parables and he warned his disciples over and over. He says, watch. Be ready, for you do not know when your Lord will come. He says, be ready. Be prayerful over and over and over again. Some of you this morning might say, I've heard that before. Everything's continued on. Nothing's happening. And I close with one more scripture that is a fulfillment. That's a fulfillment of prophecy right there. Listen to this verse of scripture. How relevant, how awesome is the word of God. 2 Peter, look what the word of God says. Know this, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, if you're following with me. Know this. That scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts. In other words, living for their own desires, not for the things of God, for what pleases them. In what kind of world do we live in today? It's all about me and mine, what pleases me, what satisfies me, what makes me happy, what pleases me. And that's a culture and a generation, not just of young people, old people too scoffers will come in the last days, and look what they'll say. Where is the promise of his coming? Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water, and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, Being flooded with water. Listen to verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which now exist, are kept in store by the same word, reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Can we stand together? And if the worship team could just come back for a moment. I only got through half of my message. We will continue next week. I hope and I trust that the Holy Spirit will cause a new sensi- sensitivity in our heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you just, just bow your heads in just, just a moment, I want to pray with you tonight today. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit. We need understanding today. And Lord, we need a desire for more of the truth of what your word says. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, touch the hearts of every person here. Lord, anyone that has been provoked in their heart, anybody who's been challenged in their mind, anybody that has maybe gotten agitated over something I've said let, them, let it cause them to go deeper in the word of God and to seek out wisdom and not turn back to folly. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would create in us such a yearning and a longing as the Bible says, to love your appearing, to long for your appearing, God. Lord, that you have a new heaven and a new earth, that you have a place that is beyond the wildest imagination of beauty and of perfection. We thank you today that Jesus came the first time to deal with sin, to die for the sins of the world, to provide salvation. And he'll come again for his people. He'll come again for us and also for those that are left behind. There will be seven years of tribulation that the world has not known. Oh God, I pray that we would be aware, we would be awake, and we would also have a heart to share the gospel with those that don't know. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just stir within us what you desire today. In Jesus' name. Before we leave this morning, I want to encourage you to pray for a greater revelation of divine truth. Pray for the lost. I want to ask you to move out of your seat. Come around the altar. Just spend a few moments. You can leave as as the Lord just releases you. But just take a few moments to pray, to ask God, to touch your heart. If you're not right with God today... Speak to one of the pastors. Come and speak to me. If you, you want to make sure that, that you're ready for the coming of Jesus, come and see one of us. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to help you today. God bless you. Take a moment to seek the Lord. Take a moment to get right with God. Take a moment to refocus your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow sweet. In the light of his glory